this is Pastor Harvey Burnett of New Bethel Ministries, welcoming you to another Dunamis Word broadcast. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes as we deliver a powerful word from the Lord. Call somebody and tell them we're on the air, and I believe your blessing is coming to you today. Mother's just giving gifts away on every corner Christmas lights. Helping to make the season right But it's so much more than this, you know And you can't tell me that it ain't so Send from on high to us below Talking about a Christmas deal a Christmas for real So for real Christmas yeah. If you didn't know If you didn't know More than a Christmas special edition of the Dunamis Word broadcast. And as always, you know, I'm excited, I am thrilled, and I am just downright glad, just plain old happy, that you've taken the time to join us today. And it's our prayer that you'll be strengthened and that you'll be blessed by what you'll hear in these next few minutes. Listen now, for your information, as always, the complete program that you're listening to can be found at www.bethelburnett, that's all one word, B-E-T-H-E-L, Burnett, B-U-R-N-E-T-T, dot blogspot, B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T, dot com, under the post, Christmas 2009, Thoughts on the Divinity of Jesus. Um... At that particular site, when you go out there, you can add your comments to the blog or comments about this particular broadcast. Uh, also, deliver any questions that you have and also any prayer requests that you have. Uh, you can email those to me, actually, at uh, dunamis1 at netzero.com. That's D-U-N-A-M-I-S, and that's the number one, at N-E-T-Z-E-R-O. got to spell it out, netzero.com. Um, all right, now we're in the middle of our study on the divinity of Christ, and we pray that part one has been a blessing to you. We talked about the historical uh, veracity of the Bible and why the Bible can be used uh, to uh, as a backdrop especially as it pertains to confirming uh, the divinity of Jesus. Now, real quickly, we're going to go into the rest um, or other parts of the uh, study because there's about six different um, uh, lines of argumentation or information that I uh, 
shared uh, with you all and told you that I would be sharing. And so we want to go right into those. The next part, uh, first of all, let's let's go ahead and read the scripture because I think it's apropos to the time and really is apropos uh, any time uh, to get together to read scripture. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says like this, says, For unto us a child is born, uh, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Verse 7 says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it, perform this that scripture was fulfilled in the uh, man that we are studying tonight the theatropist the God man Jesus fully human and fully divine and uh, as I said we're going deeper into the part of the study to where we are amassing resources to so that we can understand uh, not only Jesus's divinity, but how he was divine, what other people uh, taught about him, what was said about him from the beginning uh, of written scripture, and certainly what was circulated uh, uh, about this Messiah, this Mashiach, who would come and deliver the world uh, from their sins. And this is none other than Jesus himself. And real quickly, I just want to tell you that, you know, in my uh, debates um, with with biblical critics and, and different ones, um, there's an uh, underestimation of sin, uh, of the power of sin and what sin actually did uh, to mankind and how egregious sin is to the holy nature of God. Sin is the uh, the 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 quintessential divider is the arch enemy of division between God and man. Uh, without sin, you know, we have a totally different existence. But because of sin, and because sin is in the earth and cannot be uh, propitiated for or satisfied or rectified any other way. God sent Jesus and Jesus uh, gave his life uh, in order to save us. He went through a uh, humility, uh, a shame, honor, sacrifice where there was degradation upon him. Uh, the Bible says Jesus despised the shame, but he endured the cross. Oh God, thank God that Jesus did this for us because without him, we have no right of access to a holy God. So sin cannot be underestimated. Now, some people say, well, this is just human nature. And we've got to be careful with those type of arguments because um, we know that human nature has a capacity for much and for many horrible things. But let me tell you what, it is because sin dwells within the human nature that sin is never finished, it's never satisfied. It increases, it goes, it, it morphs, it turns into its own thing, it takes wings and it goes deeper, deeper and farther. And this is the uh, necessity of Jesus. And this is the, the necessity of divinity. When divinity came to earth, that divinity clothed itself in the likeness of, the Bible says, sinful flesh 
and dwelt among men, being able to have the ability to understand and and interact with men and to know what's going on in the life and in the heart of men. This is what God did. So sin cannot be underestimated. All right. I just wanted to say that uh, real quickly. We're going into uh, part two where we're talking about the, the thoroughly referenced Old Testament within the New Testament. The first thing that we've got to understand, uh, and I've heard a, a biblical critic say that they lost their faith. Um, one particular person says he lost his faith uh, in the Christian God. Uh, and then when you asked him some other questions, he said he never was a student of the Old Testament. He said he didn't understand the Old Testament until after, uh, really, you know, he had lost his faith. And, and when you look at that, there is no way that you can actually really fully understand the New Testament. No way that you can fully understand God's actions. No way that you can really reconcile what God did and how he did it without really understanding the Old Testament. And when you approach the Old Testament with a critical manner, uh, assuming that because there is supernatural events specified, that it's totally incredible. And you think of some other way to justify or to explain away every event in the Old Testament, then you have cut off your nose to spite your face. If you are really in the business of seeking truth, you have cut yourself down and cut yourself short if you really want to know truth. Uh, because even though you can look at things critically, and I'm not telling you to take away your critical uh, faculties or anything like that, but what I am saying is that um, you must uh, study the Old Testament for what it is with, uh, uh, and study it for the uh, message that it relays because it fits with the New Testament. The God of the Old Testament is no different, un unlike what Marcion thought, that the God of the Old Testament was a... a a evil God um, uh, unlike that the God of the Old Testament basically displays his nature of holiness and uh, without any mercy or perpetuation uh, there you know that's the only reason that we don't see some of the uh, things that we saw uh, happening in the Old Testament we don't see some of those things happening even now um, but it's all because of Jesus he stands there between uh, God uh, and humanity. He stands there as the God-man himself uh, petitioning and, and making intercession for us. So that intercession is not in Mary, it's not in Buddha, it's not in Muhammad, it's not in anyone else, but it is in Jesus himself. So we want to look and understand that the Old Testament is thoroughly referenced thoroughly referenced within the New Testament. Um, so uh, we need to understand these facts. Listen, approximately 32% of the Old Testament is quoted within the New Testament. This is one-third of the entire Old Testament in the New Testament. That cannot be overlooked. This must be a background ground for our understanding. Jesus said, search the scriptures. What scriptures was he talking about? He's talking about the Old Testament scriptures. He said, search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, but those are they which testify of me. That's who the scripture talks about. All the Old Testament talks about and reveals who Jesus is. Listen, listen to this song for the next few minutes. It's beautiful.
is a holy night. Thank God that Jesus came. Listen, let me get into this study because I never will get through and you you are tuning in so that you can hear some facts. Listen, these are the facts. As I said before, 32% of the Old Testament is quoted in the New Testament. About one third of the entire Old Testament, keep that in mind, is quoted within the New Testament or by New Testament authors. Listen, out of the 2,500 and 59 verses, full verses of Old Testament scripture quoted within the New Testament, approximately 1,100 of those verses, listen, 1,100 of those verses are found within the four Gospels and the book of Acts. Acts, remember Acts and Luke in its original context were all one book. Acts and Luke came together as one book and they were divided along the way as uh, separate books. So uh, Luke took on the form of a gospel and Acts took on the form of uh, a historical study or a historical account of the movement of the New Testament church and what was going on in the various areas uh, as the disciples went out or the apostles went out to evangelize and all of those type of things. So remember, 1100 of those verses are found within those four gospels and the book of Acts. The book of Psalms, now listen to this, the book of Psalms, Exodus, Genesis, and Isaiah contain over 1290 references in the New Testament by themselves. Those are four key and essential books. Those are four out of the top ten books that are quoted in the New Testament. And those four books uh, have over 1290 verse references within the New Testament. Why is that important? Because those books contain information on the Messiah, Yeshua, Yeshua HaMashiach, uh, uh, Christ uh, the Messiah. Uh, they contain information on the Messiah, what the Messiah would do. They are prophetic in nature in many verses. Uh, the Jews came up with a little form that it, uh, of biblical interpretation uh, what I call I call now scholars don't say this but I say this that uh, as I've studied the Midrash out Midrash was a common man's interpretation of God's word they looked verse by verse and text by text for what God was saying and uh, and and so they took the verse or the word of God to heart that way and um, uh, the so uh, those uh, uh, Psalms those those verses uh, those chapters, when you break all that down, uh, the New Testament authors use that same technique of looking verse by verse at what God was saying, and they interpreted verse by verse the uh, what the call of God uh, to the people, and so they use that same technique and 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 planted those techniques in various places in the New Testament when they interpreted or preached Old Testament scripture to explain who Jesus was. Um, in fact, Psalms 110, listen to this, Psalms 110.1, which is a messianic psalm. Psalms 110 verse 1 is referenced 18 times in the New Testament by itself. Listen, Isaiah chapter 53 verse 7, which is a messianic uh, 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 word uh, explained 
expressly talking about the Messiah, his reign, his suffering. This is the whole chapter of what we call the suffering servant is referenced 10 times by itself in the New Testament. The Old Testament was cited on uh, uh, as an authority on matters by even Jesus himself. You know, uh, he gave characters such as Noah and Abraham uh, uh, more than fictitious or legendary status. This is why we reject the notion that uh, Abraham and all of these things and Genesis and whatnot uh, were, were uh, fantasies or fairy tales or embellished stories because Jesus gave these things credibility himself and in him there was no lie, there was no guile uh, and, and, and all of that and no matter what you say uh, about Jesus, the critic cannot uh, find one place uh, where he lied in any place that you bring up I, I, I guarantee you it, it, it can be overcome, I've done it before and we can do it again not only me but uh, many other scholars, uh, real scholars uh, have done that uh, before uh, so you know so there's an integrity there in God's word there's an integrity in the words of Jesus regarding the Bible itself no serious Bible reader or student especially a minister uh, who can read the New Testament um, without uh, at some point uh, being directed to the Old Testament. There's nobody, you cannot get through the New Testament without being directed to the Old Testament for context or for an understanding and uh, for information on what the New, Te New Testament narrative is espousing or talking about. Remember, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. In the scripture I quoted before, uh, Jesus said, search those scriptures that's found in John uh, chapter 5 verse 39 Jesus says search him that's where the key is going to be in really understanding uh, Jesus and and understanding uh, uh, what he did and what his purpose was and what his mission was and how unique his mission was from any other one that has supposedly been called uh, to this day uh, to to this earth to help men uh, Jesus came to remit sins and reconcile man back to God and that's exactly what he did. The third section we want to look at is the because the uh, the Old Testament has a veracity because the Old Testament is is so heavily referenced within the New Testament. With the third element we must look at and not bypass is the prophecies of the Old Testament and their fulfillment in Jesus. This is another important piece of the divine puzzle to keep in mind that there were certain prophetic utterances uh, of the Old Testament that were specific, very specific in nature. In fact, studies have shown that there are over 71 Old Testament prophets prophecies concerning the Messiah that we find fulfilled in the life of Jesus uh, and that fulfillment could not be cannot be in anyone else in fact time has gone by and many of those scriptures cannot be fulfilled by anyone else other than Jesus if it's not Jesus then who is it Jesus invites us to find him not only in the New Testament, but also in the Old Testament. We must ask ourselves, how could the Messiah and the divine one of God, as described in the Old Testament text, be anyone other than Jesus if it were not Jesus? Here are just a few prophecies that were fulfilled uh, in the life of Jesus. Uh, Genesis 3.15 was the ark and the quintessential prophecy, um, basically, that took on a um, uh, you know, just just an utterance, and people didn't look at it as a prof prophetic utterance. But uh, you know, it said the the seed um, of the woman shall bruise the serpent's head. Uh, you know, and and here. 
Genesis 3.15 is really fulfilled in the life of Jesus because Jesus was born the seed of a woman. And now, this is very important because there's a technical difference. He was not born the seed of a man. He, he was the begotten of God, but not born the seed of a man. That is proven in the genealogies uh, of uh, both Mark and Luke as they undertook genealogies. And one thing the critic says, the critic, you know, kind of affirms that Jesus couldn't have been the Messiah because the genealogies uh, gives him no legal heir right uh, to it because he was didn't come through that bloodline, so forth and so on. Well, that's true. He did not come through uh, uh, those bloodlines uh, by way of men, but he came by way of God and God implanted Jesus in the womb of Mary, uh, who was a, a virgin, uh, according to Isaiah 7 and 14. And I know that uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, argumentation between uh, uh, the words and, and and what Betula mean meant and and all of that type of thing. And uh, once we get finished with it, at the end of the day, there is much credible evidence to suggest that the scripture was not just talking about a young woman, as the critics say. But it was talking about a young, unmarried, uh, virgin woman that had a child. And so whatever happened during uh, the lifetime of Isaiah and Isaiah 7 and 14, uh, that was not the fulfillment of that scripture. The fulfillment came in Jesus himself later on. So uh, these things, um, uh, these scriptures hold forth. Uh, Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 uh, specifies the birthplace of Bethlehem that the Messiah would be born in. Jesus was born there. Isaiah 53, 9 and Daniel 9, 25 and 26 foretells of the year of the Messiah's death and the destruction of the temple. And at the time of those prophecies, that, that information was not fully understood. Now, if you're waiting on the Messiah now, I'm sorry, but you can't go backwards. There will never be another 70 AD or 33 AD. Uh, that has happened already and uh, cannot be reduplicated. Uh, the carrying away of the, from the, of the sin from the people that was foretold in Isaiah 53 and 11 when Jesus carried away his sin. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 as we started off the show. The mighty God has, has spoken. Oh God, there is an abundance of fulfilled prophecies regarding the life of Jesus. And uh, uh, those scriptures cannot be fulfilled any other way or any other manner but through the life of Jesus himself. And so we've got to understand that we can trust the word of God uh, because it has a sure foundation and there is rhyme and there is reason to it. Listen, I've got to get out of here. Uh, keep your dial locked right there because we're going to finish the rest of this in part three uh, because we've got a ways to go and I want you to be blessed. Listen, I pray God's blessing and speed upon you this holiday season. God bless you until next broadcast is my prayer in Jesus' most holy name.